Amen. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. It's wonderful to see you all, all of our members. We get to see each week, and it's so wonderful to have our visitors with us. We appreciate your presence so very much. You're a blessing to us, and we hope that we are an encouragement to you and that your time with us is a blessing to you as we worship and study and fellowship. We want you to know you're always welcome here, so always feel free to visit at any of our worship services or uh, any activities that we have. We encourage to uh, continue to invite people. Your, your personal invitation is one of the best ways we can advertise and get the word out about the Bullard Church of Christ. So invite friends, invite neighbors, invite your frenemies, invite them all to come worship with you. And uh, we certainly are very thankful for those who join us online. We're very appreciative of you who are with us every week, and we want you to know we're always here for you. If there's something we can do for you, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. Well, we're, do, we're in this short series looking at how do I become a Christian, and what we're trying to do is just open the Bible and see what the Bible says, and let you see for yourself what God's Word says on how to become a Christian. And so for the first week, we looked at hearing and believing. Then we looked at confessing and repenting last week. And today we're going to look at baptism. And then next week we'll finish it with being added to the church and uh, things related to that uh, particular topic. We've studied uh, this every time by looking at multiple scriptures, and that's what we want to do today. And I hope you don't mind looking in your Bible. You don't mind reading the Bible, do you? Do you mind just flipping through and looking at verses? Is that okay? Is anybody, uh, all, anybody not all right with just looking at the Bible? We just want to see what God's Word says and let His Word tell us. See, our job is to do just that. Let's go to God's Word and see what His Word tells us. And I think if we'll do that, we'll be all right. And, you know, if there's something you don't understand, if there's, if there's a question you have, if there's a subject you're, you're interested in that God's word, that's in God's word, uh, uh, that, that's what you ought to do is let's see what God's word says about the thing. You can Google all kinds of things. You can talk to somebody and ask their opinion all day long. But if you want the truth about a thing, go to the Bible and see what God's word has to say about that. And then if you don't understand that, then ask that should drive you to study more. That should drive you deeper into God's word to get, uh, to, you know, with all thy getting, get an understanding. And that's what we want to encourage among you today. So we're going to, uh, uh, you know, look at baptism of all the steps. We, we talked about that, that way of that phrasing, but of all the steps or the things along the, the way in the process of becoming a Christian, baptism is the one that's the most controversial. For whatever reason, we, we don't ever, you know, hear fussing about hearing or believing or even confessing or in re repenting, uh, although some, and we don't have time to get into all of it uh, in this series, but some would say that some of those aren't essential. But baptism is the one that's been the most debated, most uh, controversial one of all of these steps or parts of the process of becoming a Christian. And, and certainly we cannot exhaust the subject of baptism today. I wish we could. 
I will revisit this, and this won't be something we only talk about once and never return to. This is an important subject, and so we will spend more time on it where we can get into detail and, and, and some different views on that, but we're going to cover and do what we can today, and I hope that it's helpful uh, for you to understand uh, the, the subject of baptism. Now, I want you to understand, whether you're baptized or not, whether you have questions about it or not, whether you believe that it's essential or not, that's okay. That's the goal today is look at God's word and, and then you've got to decide for yourself when it comes to God's word. So there are two basic views. If we want to say what are the two most basic views, if you just boil it down, the two main views when it comes to baptism are these two right here. That it's important but not essential or not necessary for salvation or that it's important and it is essential, it is necessary for salvation. Most of the, uh, the main views, it all comes down to that. And, and, and what that is, and we're going to look at it, is a lot of times it has to do with where do they place baptism. If we were to just line up here, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, added to the church, it, in the process of becoming a Christian, being saved, where do they drop baptism in. Does that make sense? That's where a lot of the debate is, a lot of the different opinions are, and so we want to see what Scripture says about that, okay? Now, as I said, we cannot fully exhaust the subject, so I hope this will encourage you to ask more questions. It's okay to say, you know what, I don't understand, or I still don't agree with that, or help me understand, what about this verse? I've heard this, this thing said before. What, what does that mean? Uh, and to, to drive you to study God's word more as well. Okay, so let's look at, that's the two main views. So what is baptism? Baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo. Now, baptism is kind of, is basically we took the Greek word and just kind of turned it into an English word. So baptism is not really an English word. Word, it didn't originate, it's just, it's just using that Greek word baptizo, and we just said baptism. So that's what it, where it comes from, baptizo. And it means, only means, can only mean, and always means immerse. To dip under, to be under and in the water, to go down in the water. That's what it means. Never in the Bible and never in Greek literature outside of the Bible during that time period, never did it mean ever anything else. Always it means immerse. That means all the way under. And what does that, so what does that tell us? It tell, tells us that if you hear some other form, it cannot be that because the word itself can only mean down in the water, immersed in the water. So it means, it can't mean sprinkling or pouring, okay? Now understand, we're not mad at anybody. We're not, we're not fussing with anybody. Our, our objective is, let's just see what the Bible says, okay? Our job's not to judge somebody eternally either. Our job is to look at Scripture, to understand Scripture and believe that, and then share that with others. And it's their responsibility what they do with that. And it's God's responsibility to judge. Did you know that? Did you know you don't have that burden on your shoulders? You don't have to judge people for eternal salvation or not. That's, who the, that's what the righteous judge does. And aren't you glad that there's a righteous judge and not, not 
somebody, see, see, we'd be okay if, if, if you were the judge. You'd be like, yeah, that's fine. I'd be fair. But nobody else wants you to be the judge. You, people would only be okay if they're the judge. But, but we can rest, we, we can have comfort that there's a righteous judge. He's going to take care of that. Our job is to see what the Bible says and share that with others and do our very best to follow that. Okay. So baptism is that event that changes us from being in the world to being in Christ. That's what happens at baptism. So what we're going to do is we're just going to run through some examples of baptism in the book of Acts, okay? We're, just gonna, we're not going to spend a lot of time on each one of these. I want you to see with your eyes and hear with your ears these examples of people being baptized in the New Testament, okay? So Acts 2, 36 through 38... And then we'll hit verse 41. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, uh, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41, so those who received his word were what? Baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Acts 8, uh, 12 through 13. There's two here in Acts chapter 8. Verse number 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, what did they do? They were baptized. Both men and women, even Simon himself, that's Simon the sorcerer, believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. Again, in Acts 8, 27, starting 27, the Ethiopian eunuch, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, uh, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem for worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in his chariot. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. That's what the Ethiopian was reading from the book of Isaiah, and that's talking about Jesus. And so from that point forward, Philip started teaching him about Jesus. And the eunuch said, about whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this, about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So in doing so, he talked about baptism. Well, how do you know? Because look at verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. So that came up in their conversation, in their Bible study. Here's water. Uh, what prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the, and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Okay, Acts 16. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside. 
we were uh, where we were supposed where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come there. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, her and her household, uh, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she prevailed upon us, meaning she invited them to stay because they needed a place to stay at their house after she and her household had become Christians. Acts 16, uh, later on in the chapter, uh, this is when Paul and Silas, they were in jail for their faith. They were singing and worshiping to God. God caused an earthquake to free them. And look at what happened in verse 27. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword about to kill himself because he knew he was in trouble if he lost the prisoners, supposing the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He had heard them worshiping. He had heard all. What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you and your household. Oh, so that might make us think, well, baptism's not necessary. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 32. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, see, and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. They had, Paul and Silas, been beaten in jail for their faith. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then uh, he brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. You see how... The New Testament just puts belief, faith, baptism, uh, all of that all in together when it comes to becoming a Christian. They just, it's all in there together. A Acts 18, verse 8, we see that uh, a, there was a synagogue ruler named Crispus, and he had heard when Paul was uh, teaching, uh, look at verse number 8, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, together with his, his entire household. And many of the Corinthians heard Paul uh, hearing Paul believed and were baptized. Acts 19, our last one. Paul came across some disciples as he was traveling. And because this was the early days of the church, we're seeing the spread of the gospel. That's part of the, the theme of the book of Acts. Not everyone had heard about Jesus yet. And so he came across some, some folks who they, they had been baptized in John's baptism as John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. And so part of his travels was to get the word out about Jesus. So in verse 3, Acts 19, and he said to them, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the way that worked. Now, so in the New Testament, they never had an issue with baptism. They, they didn't say, yeah, but, or, 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 you know, but I heard, or, or do we have to? They, they just didn't say that. It wasn't controversial to them in the New Testament. And that's what we see here. They didn't argue. They didn't fuss. They just did it when they believed. It just came with it. It was all a part of the package. Uh, they didn't question it, debate it. They simply were baptized when they believed in Jesus. Okay, so let's, let's ask some questions about baptism. Uh, what happens in baptism? Well, what happens is uh, we're going to look at six different things. We're saved at baptism, okay? 
So we have the scriptures here for you. Write those down. Go back and study them further for yourself. But we're saved at baptism. Uh, You see, this is where the two main views differ, like we talked about. Either baptism is necessary for salvation or it's not. And, and, and so the difference is, is where you place baptism in the process of becoming a Christian. So the questions are, are you baptized when you put your faith in Jesus? I mean, are you saved when you put your faith in Jesus and then you get baptized as a, as a demonstration of that faith, an outward demonstration? Is, is that what the Bible teaches? Or are you saved when you are baptized, when, you, when you've put your faith in Christ, you're baptized and then you're saved. So which is it? Which is it? Because that makes a big difference. And if we want to do what the Bible says and be New Testament Christians, then we need to understand what the New Testament te- uh, teaches. So let's see what the Bible says. Look at Mark 16, 15 through 16. And he said to them, just Jesus talking, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Verse 16. So when is a person saved? Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. That, that's, that's pretty simple, isn't it? That's a pretty simple statement there. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Look at 1 Peter 3.21. Now this is in an interesting context about Noah and the ark. But look at just verse 21. Baptism which corresponds to this, he's referring to the Noah illustration, baptism now saves you. That's not hard to understand. And what he's saying is in the way that the water in the ark, he was saved through the water, uh, baptism now saves you is what Peter says. So Peter's either lying or telling the truth. Baptism now saves you. Not as the removal of dirt from the body. So it's not about really the physical things, the the elements of getting in the water in your body. It's not because your body's dirty. In the Old Testament, they did ceremonial washings like that. But he's saying it's not that. It's an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus. Baptism now saves you. So baptism is not an event, an event in which the saved person engages. It's an, an event in which a person engages to be saved. Does that make sense? It's not something you do. It's not something you're doing to earn salvation because, as we've talked about, you can't. Ain't nothing you can do to earn salvation. It's something God does to you. I think it's the King James translation uh, even uses the word operation there in that passage. This is, this is God's operation that he does. This is his work that he's doing uh, to you. A uh, second thing is our sins are forgiven and washed away and we're given the Holy Spirit. We already looked at Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So let's just slow down. Slow down. So what must I do to be saved? Verse 37. Verse 38. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay. For the forgiveness of sins. So when do I get my sins forgiven? Okay. Let me rewind. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That tells me when my sins are forgiven. When I get baptized, and at the same time, I get the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts twenty two sixteen. 16, Paul recounting his 
conversion story. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and what? Wash away your sins. When are the sins washed away? Not before you're baptized. He said, be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Third, we're clothed in Christ. Clothed in Christ. Look at Galatians 3.26. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God. In Christ, through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, that's how you got in Christ that he just said, as many of you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Does that make sense? You put on Christ when you're baptized into Christ. I'm not wearing a suit jacket this morning because I didn't take them to the cleaners until they were all dirty and needed to be sent to the cleaners. And I took them on Monday. And guess when I picked them up? I didn't pick them up. I had all week to pick them up. And then they're closed on Saturday when I realized, uh uh-oh. (laughs) So I'm just trying to be smart, but it ain't working out for me very well. (laughs) So I had all that time, and that's why I can't be clothed in a suit jacket this morning. Does that make sense? And when you are baptized into Christ, you you know, those are hard to put on. you got to bend your arms you got to you put that coat on and you're clothed in that coat. Does that make sense? And, and you're clothed in Christ when you put him on in baptism. So if, if I don't go to the cleaners and get my, my coats, I can't be clothed in my coat, can I? If I don't get in the water and be baptized according to Scripture, understanding it scripturally, I can't be clothed in Christ. I'm just saying what the Bible says. That there's not a denominational headquarters or some denominational literature that's, or, or an annual conference that says, here's what we vote on, here's what we say you're going to believe and teach. We just look right here and say, what does the Bible tell us? What is it we need to understand and do? We're not mad at anybody. We're not upset. We love, our job is to teach God's word and love, and love people and want them to hear this same message and obey the gospel. That's what we're about. Okay, now th- then, then let's look at this, uh, th- the next three. What, what baptism does, what happens in baptism? You're connected with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Romans chapter 6. Now I'm going to read this a little bit longer, but you, you need to hear this. Do do you not know, Paul writes, that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his... We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing or done away with, uh, lose its power, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Verse 9, we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin 
and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So the, second, the, 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 the fifth one there says, as we see in Romans 6, 8 through 9 that we just read, baptism also allows you to live with Christ eternally. So we're connected to his death, burial, and resurrection to walk in that newness of life. And as a part of that, it allows us to live with him eternally. And then finally, we're going to look at this next week, that we're added to the Lord's church in baptism. So let's go back to our question we were asking. Is baptism essential for salvation? Is it necessary? Do I have to? That's what we want to know. And the answer is, based on reading God's word, is yes. That's what we see in scripture. See, baptism changes your relationship with Christ. It changes your relationship with his church and with everyone uh, in your life. But here's the thing. It's not the end. You You don't come out of the water and you're done. And you're like, yep, did it. I'm done. Now... Get on to living my life. That, that, is, that is not an understanding of what baptism is. It's just the beginning of your walk with God, of your Christian life, of your service to him. And so Jesus says some things because he wants us to understand the cost. Now, in, in Matthew 28, the last words he said to his disciples, the last words he said had to do with making disciples. You see, it's not the goal isn't baptism. The goal is to be a disciple of Christ. The goal is to be a follower of Jesus. The goal is not to get you to go immersed into the water and come out and we're done with you. The goal is to make a disciple, a follower of Christ. That's what we're after. And so that's where I I, I talked about it earlier uh, last week or week before. We're we're not trying to just get you to matriculate through some, some steps, to check some boxes. That's not what we're trying to do. That's not what the Bible teaches. What we're trying to do is help you to be a disciple of Christ. And if you want to be a follower of Christ, here's what the Bible says you do to follow Christ if you say you believe in him. Okay, Matthew 28, 19, 20. The last things Jesus said to his disciples, according to Matthew, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's what he told them to do. You go do that. That's your job. That's your mission. And and so what do you do? How do you do that? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. You you see, that's make and grow disciples. That's what we're supposed to do. We we don't just say, well, I got you into the water. Hoorah. Our job is to, to make a disciple of Christ. To make and grow disciples. Okay? So, so then we get to Luke 14 where Jesus said, look, you need to count the cost. Don't just run down here and think, well, I'm going I'm to feel better if I do this, or I'm going to make my parents happy, or I'm gonna, my spouse will uh, uh, be, you know, leave me alone. About. Now, that's not what this is about. Jesus said, you, you need to sit down and count the cost about following me. So look at Luke 14, 25 through 33 as we get, get near to closing. Now, great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What's he saying? He said, look, if you're going to be my disciple, you got to love me the most. You, God is first and only. And that, therefore, then prioritizes all your other relationships behind God. 
God is first. He's number one. There's no one else on, you know, you know I mean, it, it, that's it. When you get him right, then everything else follows. Your priorities are right. You're in your other relationships. That's what it means. Look at verse 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You, you, you got to understand, you got to bear a cross if you're going to follow Jesus. For which of you desiring to build a tower, kind of a parable here, does not first sit down and count the cost? Do you understand what this means to follow Jesus, he's saying? Whether he has enough to complete it, verse 29. Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able to, uh, with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, verse 33, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So that makes us ask the question, how do I know when I'm ready to become a Christian, to get baptized? And in looking at, watching, observing over the years, people become Christians at different ages and studying and listening to these help me put words to it when you think about how do I know if I'm ready, okay? These, these verses, and then I'll give you some questions to ask yourself and we'll be done. Acts chapter 8, we, we looked at each of these. But when you believe, it's a, it's a personal conviction. It, it's in here, it's personal. It's a personal conviction when you're ready. When you believe. That's what they did in Acts chapter 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. That, that's in here. That's not, to, that's not because... Your friend got baptized or, or you're feeling social pressure or family pressure. It's in here when you believe that conviction. And that's what we see in, 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 in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. They were cut to the heart. Some translations say pricked in the heart. It's, it's that deep. It's, it's that personal and meaningful. You know it because you feel it in your heart. That's when you know you're ready. And then finally... When you have your stop the chariot moment. Or you just say, stop the chariot. There's water. Stop the chariot. It's time. That's when, you know, how, how you ready? When you believe, when you're cut to the heart, and when you say, stop the chariot. One time I was teaching in the youth group at a congregation before Oldham Lane, and uh, we, had a, we had a kid who uh, came from a very troubled home. We'd worked with a lot. He, he was smart, had a beautiful, wonderful smile and personality, but boy, he came from a troubled home. Had the quickest temper and would explode. But, 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 uh, was, but at the same time, was a good kid. You know what I'm saying? And we've been working with him and all that. And uh, one of our youth workers in particular had been working with him that just had a real good connection with him. And one time in class, it was in class when he had his stop the chariot moment. He stopped the class and he said, I, I'm ready. And we baptized him. I think, I think if I remember correctly, we did it before worship started. 
But we did it that morning. He had his stuff. He, he, he had stopped the chariot moment. He was ready. That helps you know. Now, here's, here's some questions. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of learning and growing. There's a lot. I, I know we covered a lot, and there's a lot we didn't cover. And I was trying to, trying to get us to a good spot where you can see for yourself, and you can think through some things, and you can see what the Bible says. But you may have other questions, but I want you, I want you to ask these questions of yourself. If you're thinking about, how do I know if I'm ready? Do you understand what sin means? We talked about that uh, previously. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? And then are you ready to die for your, to yourself and live for Jesus? So there's some questions to, you need to pray about that. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not trying to twist anybody's arm to come up here today. If you're ready, you're ready. But, but I want to I give this to you so you can pray about this and talk to somebody about it. And you, you, can, you need to go to God about this. And maybe you're ready this morning. And if you are, you are. It's time to stop the chariot because here is water. But I want you to know we want to teach you and we want to help you know and guide you. And when your time is here, it's here. And this church is always here. You know, it doesn't have to be on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It could be at 3 o'clock on a Friday, Friday morning. It doesn't matter. But we want to make sure you understand what the Bible teaches. And if you have questions, we want you to ask. And if you need prayers, we want you to want you to pray to God and let us know if we can help you in any way. Any way we can serve you this morning, we invite you to come forward now as we stand and sing.